0: okay good day and welcome everyone to our first uh, amazing as i believe podcast uh, privacy chronicles and uh, today here am i anton with me my colleague kate hi everyone yeah and we have our guest our first guest guest today the guest that i i'm really happy to have here is natalia bitikova Uh, she is uh, a really privacy pro a global privacy pro actually and uh, what she does, uh, she is a lawyer and data protection officer at IKEA and holds such certificates as CP, e CPM, and FIP. We will ask her about all this stuff. So, Natalia, welcome here and we are happy to hear you here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everyone.
0: Great. Uh, okay, so uh, the idea of today's uh, show is to introduce uh, our listeners to Natalia, but to uh, tell about a bit about her experience, about her vision of privacy, how she sees actually all these privacy challenges that uh, come up to DPOs in different corporations and to talk in more detail about privacy compliance in worldwide retail corporation and how to handle it and uh, how to actually work with it in an effective manner, both for company and for the data subjects, uh, of course. So, Natalia, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Uh, What we need to know about you?
1: Of course, I can. Um, My name is Natalia, as mentioned, I'm a data protection officer working for IKEA Retail Inca Group. I'm a lawyer by training, and I've been in the legal and regulatory space for some uh, 15 years by now that experience both from nonprofit, public and the business as well out of the interesting facts about me i'm a true eu citizen and i'm enjoying all the free movement guarantees i come from one eu country from Lithuania. i live in another one which is denmark and i work in the third one in sweden so i actually commute from copenhagen to our beautiful offices in malmo over the bridge
0: oh thank you very much uh that's really interesting And uh, why did you actually choose privacy as your domain? What was your path? Uh, Why did you decide to to do all this privacy stuff?
1: Mm -hmm. Because the catchy answer would be I didn't choose privacy, privacy chose me, but the reality is that the intersection of law and technology was always kind of close to my card. It's just perhaps the lenses I was looking at this problem have changed over time. So I started my career as a human rights lawyer, focusing primarily on research and litigation across human rights domains. So criminal justice, victim rights, non-discriminations, freedom of expression, and right to privacy. So contrary to a popular belief, right to privacy was there way before GDPR. So my career has later taken me to Brussels, where I worked for the European Data Protection Supervisor, which is... um, data protection authority with both enforcement and public policy mandates. And later I started applying my knowledge uh, in business, firstly as a consultant, and later on as an in-house counsel and a data protection officer. Um, I think I was really lucky to gain the experience from all three sectors, which kind of gives me this good 360 understanding of a lot of privacy conundrums I'm dealing with on a daily basis. It really helps talking to a variety of stakeholders from different paths of life.
0: Yeah, actually, I saw that you have uh, many certificates, like IAP certificates. And uh, yeah. I know that many many young lawyers for now, and maybe not uh, lawyers, other privacy professionals are seeking to get them. Uh, for example, we with Kate have, we have CPE certificates, and uh, I'm preparing for CPS now, and Kate for CPT uh, for now. And uh, can you how do you think uh, does having such certificates help uh, the young lawyers uh, to get into privacy right now
1: i don't think the certificate is a goal in itself but for Mm -hmm. me it is a great demonstration of your aptitude to learning and your continuous development i personally believe that the biggest value out of certification comes from all the work that you put into learning reflecting on what you're learning during the learning process when you're studying, let's say, for the exam, and actually taking those methodologies that you learn from the books and applying almost immediately in your daily work, just testing them out and seeing what comes out of this. And then Diploma is, of course, a very nice cherry on top that you get, and you can add to your LinkedIn profile and demonstrate to prospective employers.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I also think that uh, implementing is uh, really important when you try to something new to put in your works. Try to, to communicate with your colleagues about new trends and features, and so on. That's awesome. Okay, uh, thanks for such answers. Let's move on to our topic of today's. Uh, it's privacy compliance in worldwide retail corporation. Uh, Kate, maybe you can start with our questions about uh, actually the specifics of tasks the DPO in such corporation should be doing <laughs> and so on.
2: Yeah, sure, gladly, because it's like very interesting because any consumer at some point when he's shopping online, he's very concerned that the corporations know everything about him or her. They are so super concerned that cookies applied on the website are like spying on them across all the internet, sell all the data to any some wild corporations that uh, mostly do um, advertisement market, for example. But uh, when you're working for industry, when you're inside, you know, corporation, does it feel like that when you're working with privacy? What do you do in IKEA to help people feel that they are cared for, you know?
1: Of course, um, maybe I will start with explaining what my role is uh, to the listeners who might be less familiar with the DPO role. And also because there are no two same DPOs and our roles slightly differ. But at its basics, DPO is a statutory role under the General Data Protection Regulation. And my work on kind of broadest meta level can be divided into two streams. So one stream is informing and advising the business, On all sorts of things that Kate just mentioned, but there is another important stream of work is monitoring businesses' compliance with the data protection law. So let me just zoom in very quickly on each of those streams and just give you a couple of examples what I could be doing. So on inform and advise, my work can really take different shapes and forms depending on what is happening in the regulatory space at that moment and what the business needs. So it can start with uh, setting privacy objectives and developing privacy framework or processes such as transfer impact assessment process, legitimate interest assessment process for all the group companies in IKEA and INCA group. Um, It can also be um, uh, about setting companies position on different regulatory developments. So just a couple of weeks ago, we had an announcement of EU-US data privacy framework. It has come out, we have nice press Mm -hmm. releases. What does it actually mean for the business how are we supposed to change our voice of working right now what it means to our consumers what do we have to do from tomorrow on or year later on so developing that position and securing that approach with the management as well as communicating it across both smes and on non-smes in the companies is also part of my role and it can be almost so- a third
2: second. No, no, no. no. We just can proceed. I just thought maybe you would, you would like to, me to ask something like more in details about what your work, what is the most challenge, what is the biggest challenge that you encountered in achieving mm-hmm. all this Uh, all these goals Mm -hmm. that you mentioned, especially in data transfer because data transfer is such a a, head pain because everyone is so concerned about their data being translated outside of European Union. Everyone is so shocked that Google has something on them and everyone is constantly asking not to share the data with Google precisely. So sometimes it can be like a real big challenge to explain to people that we do everything now or regards that we can do to safeguard everything. So what is the biggest Mm -hmm. challenge for you as well?
1: I think um, there are topical challenges as you have um, alluded right now and international data transfer has been a challenge for me and I was working with this topic as the majority of privacy professionals for the last couple of years at least. With the announcement of the framework, um, my position is to stay cautiously optimistic, but still to have a plan B, because we know from experience that the first two frameworks unfortunately haven't stood the court's scrutiny. So we might want third time around to be more uh, cautious (laughs) uh, with our approaches and perhaps to have some other fallback options for data transfers, such as in addition to the framework to still maintain standard contractual clauses and all the good work that we have put in place with transfer impact assessments, engaging with the vendors, putting in place supplementary measures, is not gone just yet. But if I need to look at the challenges on perhaps a bit of the higher level than a specific privacy topic, I think there is a peculiarity of work in the global retail company. It is not the most highly regulated industry like finance, let's say, of pharma, mm-hmm. there are definitely different set of challenges that young professionals should be aware of if they're planning, or they're seeing their future in such a corporation. So with the first one is it's important to understand that a modern retailer is an omni-channel data-driven business. Yeah. It's not your usual brick and mortar store. It's as much about digital business as it is about the over-the-counter retail it really became acutely apparent during pandemic and post-pandemic, but essentially what it means in practice that our daily work and the highest privacy risks are not coming from the store. They're coming from the digital solutions, variety of cutting-edge technology that is constantly changing and evolving, and our teams are trying to put in place in order to facilitate the best experience for the customers. And of course, it means that we're on the constant learning journey with them. There is another aspect of the retail business, which is different from, let's say, um, B2B environment. Retail is B2C business, which means that whenever we're implementing privacy by design into our solutions, first and foremost, we have to be thinking about customer because customer will be there uh, using those solutions and being all the time on the front and challenging us uh, in case they're seeing that something is going wrong. And then we have the multi-jurisdictional aspect. So it's a global company. And although DPO is a GDPR-enforced role, it's a role under the EU law, we can't discount the Brussels effect of the GDPR and the fact that we see privacy legislation emerging across the globe. We see the spillover effects. Just right now, the whole LinkedIn is buzzing about Indian data protection law. We've been waiting for that for a really long time. So we cannot discount that effect. So, what is the challenge here it is finding an optimal model of privacy program, which is centralized and uniform enough, but takes into consideration some of the local differences and requirements.
2: Do you have any, for example, advice or tips how to manage uh, all this multidimensional puzzle of different privacy laws? that you must encounter once you are working in a global company. For example, you mentioned you have GDPR like, on the EU level, you have the national laws, of course, then you have the US, nope. a g- giant market with a variety of different laws. And then again, we have um, even more Asian countries that are reviewing yep. the data protection law again, including India, for example, as you mentioned. So how to manage all of that if you are only human? <laughs> <laughs>
1: And you are human. One thing I'm going to say is that it's not one-man job, for sure. There are certainly different solutions and resources online in order to facilitate the comparative analysis of the jurisdictional requirements. But frankly, from my experience and what works best for us in IKEA retail is having a strong network of dedicating full-time privacy experts in our local organizations. So the model that we have in IKEA is, I would say, not necessarily decentralized, but a mixed model. We have a pretty strong central organization setting up as much, as I mentioned, uniform policies and approaches across the group as possible, but we also have equally strong local organizations with embedded privacy experts. Mm -hmm. So a part of their assignment is to follow these regulatory developments on the local level and to bring them up to the central organization so we can Mm -hmm. build them in the global approach if we're seeing that these um, requirements are kind of relevant to more market than one. I think it is very important to have a local presence. It is important to be able to communicate in the local language, especially in the B2C sector, with the customers handling data subject requests in the language that is needed, being able to engage with the customer, and also to build the relationships with the industry and the regulators in order to facilitate this two-way of communication. Because we not only have privacy laws on the EU level, uh, national levels, we also have regulatory interpretation of these laws. Mm -hmm. And even in the EU, it can differ immensely from one member state to another member state. So having a right governance model, which is fit for the size of your organization and the presence of your organization, for some companies it can be maybe part-time privacy champions other companies like ours would require full-time employees it is extremely important to take care of the local dimension
2: mm-hmm. by the anton uh, we were talking incredibly... about privacy communication and i think that uh, you would be interested to ask a couple of questions because it's like your core specialty in how to fight yeah, people so, that we uh, are compliant, about basically. all
0: these chill- Uh, yeah, so talking about all these challenges, you need to actually follow the regulations all over the world. like, okay, we got a new law here, a new law here, and now we have to to couple to cope with them as well. And uh, on the other hand, we have uh, people, we have data subjects, and uh, they actually don't know about uh, usually about laws that uh in effect, for instance, uh, of course, everybody knows about GDPR. Uh, some heard about CCPA and all that stuff, but I think that's all. And uh, the idea is that um, the companies have to uh, communicate in a plain language that is easily understandable and all this stuff. And uh, it's uh, I think it's a great challenge for global corporation like IKEA to, uh, to communicate uh, the the privacy program to the people to people in understandable language because you have so many people and clients so many data subjects so uh, how actually maybe maybe you can advise to other privacy professionals how to build this privacy communication in a way that uh, data subjects will actually trust you that they will understand uh, what you do with their data and uh, trust you their personal information
1: Of course, and I think you highlighted really important aspect here is the trust and the trust aspect in the B2C sector when you're working with your customer as well as with your co-worker is incredibly important. This is why we really take privacy awareness seriously and we try going beyond the mandatory privacy notices into something that would hopefully be a plain and clear language. It is a tricky... Uh, it is a tricky situation here because when you look at the GDPR requirements of what has to be provided in the privacy notices and the requirement for that to be easily understandable and short, it doesn't kind of square that well together. Um, so I think layering, pri- layering of privacy notices, trying to bring a visual aspect of that uh, via the use of the icons in order to supplement the legally required language is, um, is a very important thing that privacy professionals can absolutely facilitate. I think mm-hmm. it's also interesting, we are often talking about customers and sometimes we are forgetting our coworkers who are equally data subjects from the perspective of the data protection law. And I don't think it's only about showing them that we are compliant, but I think it is about actively engaging our employees in discussions around privacy implications so they're able themselves to spot those things early on, and if needed to bring them to our attention. Because if you think about the employee in the digital organization, in some cases they're a users of certain digital solutions, and in other cases they are product owners of these solutions themselves. So what we would like them to be is, at their core, um, raise questions, um, bring those solutions to us as soon as possible if they spot something but also have their own understanding and have their own point of view about them so what we haven't done to facilitate that beyond awareness sessions and trainings to different departments where we just take different case studies and discuss with the employees what do they think about it what would be their reasonable expectations and data as data subjects about data processing We have, my colleagues have organized a variety of privacy events internally in IKEA. We have done privacy escape rooms, GDPR quizzes with prizes and different cross-departmental teams, uh, cross-departmental privacy panels with internal speakers, someone who is not a privacy pro, but someone who works maybe in people and culture. Maybe they work in sustainability, maybe they work in marketing and they have opinion about privacy. So we would invite them to the panel and make sure we have a diverse view so we hear from them. Uh, We have had external talks and a lot of similar activities just to bring people to that good level of awareness and facilitate privacy culture.
0: Yes. So having privacy champions
1: is very important.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, uh, just uh, you remind me, uh, well, we both uh, with Kate and <laughs> with you uh, st- studied in Mikolas Ramirez University and uh, some time ago. And uh, there was a course of gamification and uh, we were together with Kate and we managed to develop a game, like it was kind of Munchkin but for privacy. And the idea was that you can like uh, steal the uh, the skill from DPO and so on. And uh, <laughs> it was like some kind of gaming experience and uh, it was really good. And second point, uh, you mentioned about uh, actually um, uh, helping your coworkers to embrace privacy, embrace privacy program. Uh, I agree totally with that uh, possible effect because uh, also we skate had different uh, trainings for mostly tech companies, and we told them how privacy works, that that companies actually in compliance about all that trust, and then they actually uh understood that wait a minute we are so cool we are doing such great things with to our customers and then they became some kind of privacy ambassadors uh for the people and uh, actually wanted to help them yeah that was cool okay uh we have our last question for today it's about uh, different uh cutting edge tech products that uh, actually shape today's privacy compliance and uh, are a challenge for DPOs, for privacy champions, and privacy people all around the world. So let's talk about a, bi- a bit about them. Uh, I think the most recent challenge is uh, actually uh, AI, the generative AI, uh, where people put uh, all around all their personal data, and then uh, it is used th- somehow by someone and so on. So do you think that AI is uh, a threat or a benefit for users regarding privacy?
1: I think like with a lot of technology, it's not necessarily a threat per se. It's about how you're going to use it. Um, And if from my experience, I can recommend something to the in-house privacy professionals, it is in order to be able to advise on AI or cutting-edge technology, you first to be able to know that they are developing this technology in-house or about to buy it. And this is where the trick comes in. So first and foremost, what you want to have when you think about you being a real partner to the business is to have a very robust system of internal controls that privacy to ensure that privacy organization is involved in the development of such products if they're developed in-house, or in the procurement of such products as early as possible. And if needed, those should be made as an escalation to the data protection officer because this is one of the core tenets of the privacy by design process, right? So it's anticipatory compliance, it's not something that is bolted on top. At the very end of the journey, when we're about to start using AI technology, this conversation has to happen much earlier on. And being smart about how the system of these internal controls looks like is really something that privacy professionals should spend some time on, understanding where whether purchases are happening, how the software development process looks like. It will really require spending a bit of time in your organization because these processes are not the same across. Second challenge is, I think, um, is having time in itself. Uh, It's such a fast-paced environment, and also the development and the rollout of the products can be um, really um, time-demanding, and there is a lot of pressure that internal teams are under to start using something fast. Um, So I think making sure that you have time on your hands and product teams are going to spend time with you in order to explain that solution to you. You cannot provide advice on something you don't fully understand. So they have time to sit down and explain it to you is extremely important. Um, And lastly, I think where our next kind of frontier of thinking will be is how the role of privacy professional and the DPO specifically is changing with the coming in of the sectoral legislation, such as an AI Act. AI Act doesn't have embedded DPO role, however, we know that AI solutions are regulated under the privacy laws extensively already. With this new piece of legislation, is it coming to your desk? Are you responsible here for the compliance, overseeing the compliance, or there is another function? It's really important to start thinking about it earlier than later, because the AI act will be adopted in no time and those couple of years of grace period will also pass, but the governance discussion has to happen earlier on.
0: Thank you for such an answer. Uh, so we yes.
1: have to be prepared
2: to take AI on our own at first, as a first line of defense, I would say. So all the data protection impact assessments, all the GDPR assessments, all the privacy by design problems, everything if maybe DPO is the first person who will have to encounter them, of course. And maybe I after think that, private we should
1: advise. Privacy organization is already quite well equipped uh, to deal with a lot of these challenges, and it's been dealt with historically. But I think we shouldn't discount the additional requirements that are coming in and make mm-hmm. sure that if it's there, if it is kind of put on the table of a certain organization, it's followed with a... Upskilling and additional resources and
0: again time as i have mentioned to prepare uh, on the other hand so we have technologies that actually challenge the privacy and we have uh technologies that are embraced by by privacy professionals and engineers so-called pets so privacy enchanting technologies Mm -hmm. they are on its race right now most of them are only technologies but not solutions now But on the other hand, uh, day by day, the uh, companies start implementing them in different niches like medtech and so on. And I think that uh, implementing such technologies is a great idea, is a great point by making privacy by default more by default. Uh, And on the other hand, it's a great challenge because such technologies are not uh, really quite stable in many cases. And uh, the technologies may be a problem, not a solution uh, in some, some case. Uh, okay, so I think that's basically all for today, uh, Natalia, we welcome you, we are thankful for you very much uh, to, for joining us, uh, see uh, yourself, uh, I don't know, in LinkedIn, and uh, see our self posts about this podcast in LinkedIn, and uh, today's Privacy Chronicles episode number one is officially finished, I thank you one more time for being here with us. Yeah, and thank, thank you very you so much, much for your expertise. It. Yeah, okay, thanks. Yeah.